This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 527, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Can we be there? Oh, just think of the time. Art and love so strange, said you never know. While I try my best, hey, come around. It's a common way to blame and hide the truth. Hello and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 527. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Good morning. He was waking up early for this. And Ron <laughs> Richards. Bright and early. Hello. Yeah. Made him wake up early. Ugh. We are iFanboy. We like comic. You know, in the past, this would have been a non-starter. So I think that's showing <laughs> growth. Or at least inflexibility. I'm not sure. One or the other. Both inflexibility and flexibility. We are iFanboy. We like comic books. Every week we read our stack of comics books. And one of us uh, picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books in the week, other stuff. Maybe leads to read some listener mail. We try to make it entertaining or uh, at least not offensive. No well, promises. Right no word. promises. Though. No promises. It probably won't hurt. You, we unless you didn't read your books uh, and then you're screwed because there is your spoiler warning. We're gonna talk about what happened uh, in them, so uh, you are warned. Deal with it, Connor. You had the pick. I did, and when I uh, finished reading, I didn't have a clear pick, so I made a list of the books I really enjoyed, and it ended up being a full one third of my stack this week. I thought I had a pretty, pretty solid week, but then as I started going through each book individually and thinking about why I liked them, I kept hey, coming. Hold on. You made a list of the books that you enjoyed, and it was one third of. No, them. no, the ones I really enjoyed, like the ones that are clearly, okay, okay, just the, clearly the top of the of the of the list. Wait, did, did you did you did, did you print out the covers and put them on the wall and then tie them with string? Yeah, and make well, a crazy wall. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Of course, come on, Ron. All right, just make it sure. Time lapse thing where I stood in front of it for a while, and the sun set and rose. Connor, did you go through the Looking Glass? I may have gone through the Looking Glass on this one. Okay, good. I ended up at Superman yeah. American Alien. You don't five. know what it's like to do a pick of the week because anyway, <laughs> Superman American <laughs> Alien number five from Max Landis, and this one is drawn by Francis Manipole, uh, with letters by John Workman. What I loved about this one is that 
it took different elements from a lot of different kind of Superman that I like. And I was thinking, because th- there was that one issue, and I mentioned this last time, uh, I think issue three was pick of the week. Issue two really turned me off because I thought it was too far of a deviation from Superman. It was like the, the meth head one. Yeah. And yeah. the thing about doing a different take on the character, and this is topical, is that you can change the details, but you have to stay within the spirit of the character. And I think that that issue veered too far from the spirit, but I think he's, Max Landis has course corrected very quickly since then. And he's, he's written a very enjoyable alternate version of Superman. And what I like about this one, Ron, is that it, it, I thought it took some elements of Smallville with the black suit. Yep. And it has a very classic Superman feel in, in that in the last issue we talked about young Clark, who had just an intern at Daily Planet, just moved to Metropolis, uh, encountered both Lex Luthor and Batman. At the end of that issue, he ended up stealing Batman's cloak. So here, he's got a makeshift Superman costume that includes Batman's cape and a black t-shirt with the S on it and some sort of like World War II steampunk-esque helmet and goggles. And I thought it was a really inventive way to portray a guy who's trying to figure out what, what a superhero suit looks like. Um, and using the materials at hand, I just liked the look of this char- the character here. Like, and now the cape, the cape is Batman's cape from last issue, right? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So I was there's some continuity there. Yes. Uh, okay, he, cool. And uh, I just liked the look of him. I liked that he he sort of looked like the Blur from Smallville. Yep. But it felt very classic Superman. He's you know he this is his first time being a quote unquote superhero, and he is saving the day in various ways around Metropolis and. And doing a pretty good job of it. The cops, you know, you rely on it. It's, I just thought it was a very classic Superman setup with some fun elements. And I think the Manipal art was just, just wonderful. Well, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's the thing that got me about this is that, I mean, th- this whole series, you know, Landis teaming up with, with, you know, different artists. But, like, what's interesting is that, you know, you think about there was the Dragata issue, then there was that Jay Lee issue. Like, the artists are, have all had this similar... Like they're some of the most unique artists, but have that same kind of wash painted kind of look to it mm-hmm. that I feel like ties it together. So like there, there's a there's at least a visual continuity, even though there have been different artists. Um, workman and 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 workman on letters. It's motherfucking workman. He's great. There's another scene here with Lex Luthor, which I think is Landis's strong point. If he can just continue to write Lex Luthor scenes throughout the DC universe. And the DC Universe yeah. will be a stronger place for it. He just has that tone down. You know, he's the best kind of Luther, who's not 100% evil. He's, he thinks he's the hero of his story, but he also is evil. Right. Naughty and utterly convinced of his rightness? Yes. <laughs> in, in this, he's just really sort of snarky, but not in a internet way, but in a, I'm smarter than you. Oh, you're, you're, you're stupider than I am kind of way. And it just, <laughs> it just worked really well. And there's so much... I'm looking at that second page, Ron, after he crashes into the office, and there's so many dialogue balloons on that page. Yep. But it never felt like it. It moves very quickly, the, the, the dialogue, because it's all very well written. Um, You're right. There was a couple of books that I read this week where I turned the page and I just got just like hit with a ton of dialogue, and I thought, oh, this isn't, this isn't working for me. But there, were, there was, in this, I had that initial thought at least once, and it, it wasn't a problem. Like, it went right through. And it works for a character like Luther, who's... Uh, in addition to to being arrogant, well, he's showing off his uh, verbal dexterity to Superman. Well, I think the other thing is is that it has to be like when the dialogue is like that in a comic book, it has to be super compelling, right? Right away. I remember when when uh, we were reading Strangers of Paradise a really long time ago, and every once in a while, you would come up against a 
a text wall. I mean, it would be prose. It would be a page of prose. And, and boy, if not done well, that can slow you right down. So I would think, all right, I'll start to read this. And then as soon as you start to go, you're like, okay, I'm into it. Yes. And, and I think that all, all, all those words, maybe it's Workman. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I definitely noticed that. And this is good. I, I think this is going to end up being one of those really fun, because I think, is it in next issue? Really fun miniseries that you can sh- you can show somebody. Say so this is a really great example of fantastic art, fantastic lettering, and a really interesting take on Superman mythos. I mean, and it's got and it's got to end with him in the classic costume, right? I mean, that's going to be the last page of the last issue, right? I mean, it's well, it's not going to be the, it's not going to be the classic costume. Well, no, yeah. well, who knows? <laughs> it's going to be a, a series of plastic plates connected together, <laughs> what seems by light. Ugh. I, mean, I actually <laughs> would be very interested to see how how they handle that because it, this is so different than anything else. And yeah. if, you, if you notice, we're not talking about it this week, but the Neil Adams book, he's able to use the classic costume, at least a variation of it. Right. So maybe this is in that same vein of, you know, Max Landis. Oh, there's two more issues. This, this is a seven-issue mini. Do we think there's a co- ever a conversation at DC that happens where they sit back and go, yeah, well, this is a bad idea. I get that what we were trying to do, but yeah, no, we need to go back. I mean, like, is that what Rebirth is going to be? I mean... I think there are a lot of conversations that took place, like, just outside the doors. Yeah. Or, like, at lunch. (laughs) And eventually... Because there was a certain point where I'm thinking nobody would say it in the office. Right. Like, oh, they're going to hire this other person. Oh, cool. Yeah, all right. And then leave it. You don't don't want to say it to DiDio's face, but... Right, Uh. right. And eventually, like, the ground squall was enough that, that somebody... Managed to mention it sort of offhandedly, right? Or like you really got it. You've got because you can't go straight at them. Like this was stupid. <laughs> stupid. And they haven't had that. Co- they haven't had that conversation about the costume designs yet. Obviously, well, we'll <laughs> no see. one's talking about that in the office. We'll see. But they're talking about it away. Yeah. Maybe they had um, a retreat, and like somebody yeah. got drunk, and they were like, hey, "You know what? And another thing." And like two guys in the back were like, "Yeah." And then that's how it. <laughs> Like the next day, he was like, oh, maybe they're right. After he fired them, obviously. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so this was super fun. I'm enjoying this miniseries a lot, one issue aside. I look forward to the next two. I look forward to seeing who the art's going to be. I look forward to seeing where he takes this particular tale of Superman, where it ends. Right. I think the thing I really liked about it, and you kind of, I mean, you did, but it really answered the question very quickly, how does Luther defeat Superman when Superman is all-powerful? And it was like very, very easily, you know, psychologically. And, and it was just so quickly done. And so I was like, oh, it was really fun. So yeah, I, when I got I did, to that scene, I was like, "That's why it's his pick." I get that. And I, I did like the la- the the last shot, the last page, which is in a very Spider Man esque kind of approach to the yeah. your pal Superman. You know, like it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this has been great. I mean, I'll give I'll, I'll give credit to Max Landis that this has been a great. This has been more fun than I've had reading Superman than than when I tried to read. You know, when I came back, uh, you know, uh, uh, mid last year, and I'm like, I'm going to read Superman. I was like, Oh no, I don't want this at all. <laughs> all right then. So yeah, good, good job, Max Landis. Another contender for Pick the League is Power Man Iron Fist number two. Just wonderful, I thought. I, I Even though this is... The, the only thing I think about as I read this is that they changed Danny Rand's personality the same, in a similar way that they changed Clint Barton's personality for the, mm-hmm. um, for the Matt Fraction book, is that he's fun to read, but like I don't remember him being this kind of dim-witted before. Yeah, I mean, I would say, if anything, uh, I liked the art in this one as much or more, but I definitely came out of it like a little, 
unhappier than I would the last one. A couple of one of the, I mean one of the reasons was that most of the issue was spent literally listening to the two of them talk at each other, doing the same thing over and over in circles, and I got a little bored with that. And then the other thing is that there's a big continuity thing in here that was bugging me because I read Spider Woman mm-hmm. like right after it or before it, and I was just like. I know that I'm we're trying like I'm trying not to complain about stuff like that, but like with a character like Spider Woman who's clearly going through a very well defined thing in another book right now, like she's not pregnant, she's not she's just hanging out. That's comics it was, though. That's that's I know, but like comics that's have always comics, now. comics no, that's yeah. comics have always been that way. Always. No, not not yes, always. There was a, always there was a gold there was a golden no. period when everything was accounted for. In your head there is, but it didn't exist in yeah. reality. <laughs> the well, comics have always one. been it's that not way. like it's not like where's this person, you know, that person should be off in space fighting these other people, but like the main storyline in that Spider Woman book is that she was pregnant and had a baby. So? And here it was just like that didn't happen. Yeah. Well, maybe, That's I mean, comics. maybe she recovered. She recovered, yeah. you know? This it doesn't, is, I mean, this listen, is... listen, women, women can be doing like calisthenics after giving birth, like days what? later. They, they spring back real quickly. I, that is not the case. <laughs> I like that, like, we've all reversed now. Everything no, I've, backwards. I've, I've always said this: the comics of characters are never the same across books. I don't. I'm not talking about her character. I'm talking about literally like who she is. Like it'd be like it'd be like as if <laughs> I'm talking about who she saw is. Her character. <laughs> no, it'd be it'd be like as if in one book, like they're on the Avengers, like somebody who was used to be on the X Men is on the Avengers, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this other book just has them back on the X Men, and it, it just yeah. doesn't fit with everything else. Yeah. Oh, you, mean, you mean Beast? Yeah, mean Beast. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, listen, this happens. Sometimes it bugs me, and sometimes it doesn't. And I try to let it go, but it bugged me a little in this because I was like, no one's, no one's even paying attention to that really sort of broad stroke. That being said, I, you know, I liked their scene. I thought it was interesting. I liked the issue, but, but there was a bit too much of like, I told you this was stupid. And he's like, no, it's great. And they just did that for like half the issue. See, I, I enjoy the dynamic, even though it feels out of character for Iron Fist. I, I loved it because I. I could have taken twelve more pages of them talking to each other because I think the, I think David yeah. Walker's writing is really fun and I think his his voice for Luke Cage is really great. They could have hung out more for me. Uh, yeah, I I think less would have been more powerful. But there we are. I liked uh, I liked where the story was going though when it finally got moving somewhere. My favorite panel possibly of the week was when they got into the tiny car and Luke had to explain that Jessica needed the other car for some important stuff. Luke's face when he was doing that was wonderful. You know, he's, he's like <laughs> I know he, that face. He's like uh, I uh. I don't have any power in this relationship. <laughs> so uh, it was just really good. There are definitely issues, but not enough to stop my enjoyment of it overall, which I think is it's really fun and fresh. It's gorgeous. Sanford Green is great. Ron, did you read International Iron Man? I did. Well, first I did a double take because didn't yep. we just launch Iron Man like two months ago? Yes. Did any of us look into so why now there's this a new is number a one? <laughs> no. no. And it was, I was like, all right, well, maybe it's a nope. It's also written by Bendis. What yeah. is happening? Is this? Uh, did we switch? Are we still doing the other one? Yeah, yeah. Still comes out. So this is a second series by Bendis. Yes. Okay. So International Iron Man. What's the other one? It's Invin- Invincible Iron Man. Invincible Iron Man. It's just Invincible Iron Man. All right. All right. So so all right. You see, my for some reason I thought I was like, oh, so they ended Invincible Iron Man and now have launched this one? No, but that's, that's not the case. Of, so, that's okay. what it felt a little like. Felt, felt like a, a little dark- bit like this like, one is yeah. is like it seems to be looking at Iron Man in the past. Right. As a patsy. Yes, it was a patsy. <laughs> this was drawn by Bendis' daredevil partner, Alex Maleev, and I thought this was good Maleev. It was, I, felt, I felt like it was um, subdued Maleev. Right. Well, it's also not, or at least less obviously 
photo trace from leave. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I jumped it, so I'm not reading the other one, the Iron Man series. I don't know why, I'm just not. And uh, but then when I saw this, I was gonna pass it by. But then I saw that it was Maliev. I'm like, ooh, let me jump on that. And I read it, and and I thought it was, I, like I said, I thought it was subdued, almost restrained Maliev. And you're right, it wasn't like super photo referency like Scarlet was. Right. But I felt as if it wasn't as crazy in a good way or or dynamic as it's, it's exactly the way. Stuff. It's, yeah. I'm flipping through it right now, and it's not all that dynamic. And then I get that it's sort of a street level story, but like literally every shot is eye level. There's yeah. medium shots, a couple of wide shots. It's, I imagine that'd be pretty boring for most artists to draw, quite honestly. It was a ton of conversation. It's a ton of, you know, uh, waist and shoulders up sort of headshots. Yeah. And, and that's about it. That's pretty much what the whole thing is, other than that great first page. And a little bit, you know, goes a little further in the sort of shootout that happens. But 80% of the book is pretty straightforward. Yeah. But that said, it was interesting. I mean, but but this whole kind of redefining Tony's past and who his parents are and all this sort of stuff. I mean, like, I, I don't have a lot invested in Iron Man as a character, Tony Stark as a character, other than, you know, the, the current enjoyment of what is, you know, recently been going on with the movies and all stuff like that. So, like, I'm not a huge Iron Man fan, So, but I imagine this could be pretty substantial for somebody who's been following a character for a long time. But I, I enjoyed it. I'll probably keep reading it as long as Malief's still on it. You should read the other one instead. If you're going to read one of them. The other one's better. The other one's got a whole Doom thing yeah. going on that's great. Yeah. I enjoy this particular issue. I like the story within this issue of sort of young Tony Stark in college, but I don't like the conceit that his parents are not Howard Stark and whoever the mother was. I just feel like there's too much monkeying around of these characters' backstories yeah. happening. I guess we'll just fuck with Tony Stark's background now. And it's just like... Why can't we just leave the fundamentals alone and tell stories with that? That's a thing, and I feel like, I mean, I don't know if this is a criticism of Bendis as a writer, but Bendis loves to do that, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. doesn't Bendis, Bendis loves to go back and be like, oh, you know this thing that you've known for 30 years? It's different! As opposed to introducing something new, it's always like, okay, let's go back and then see how it affects the character moving forward, which, yeah, I agree. I would rather see a new challenge or some, a new thing happen than, than going back and, and just, you know, retconning. Yeah. I agree with you. Thank you. The overall framework bothered me as I was reading. I was like, well, I don't want to read a story where Howard Stark is. And maybe it's because I love Howard Stark so much in, in the movies and the TV shows. I, I love Howard Stark. I don't want him to not be Tony's dad. That's stupid. So that, right. that was hanging over me as I was reading this. Is this the first place that this has shown up? I think I've heard of it before. Okay. What's the basic deal? He's not actually Howard Stark's son because... Just that, that, I don't, I don't know. know. That wasn't really explored yet. Just the fact that he wasn't oh, okay. Howard's, I'm just making sure I didn't miss something. No. Yeah, just that—that's the idea—is that he's he's finding out the truth about his parents. The truth about his parents. So not not, not eh. that exciting. So I tell you what's exciting, and I didn't get it. I did, I don't remember why I didn't talk about the first issue of this. I think I might not have been on the show, but the second issue of the Infinity Entity came out this week with story by Jim Starlin and art by Alan Davis, and you want to talk about just 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 delightful, just the delightful Marvel cosmic scenery chewing. Just out there-ness. If you like the Infinity Gauntlet back in the day and that sort of thing, this is totally up your alley. It is just basically Adam Warlock has reconstituted uh, himself in the universe and has no memory of his past and is trying to figure out why he's here. And so he's just traveling through space and time, arguing with the Celestials and the the big, you know, like you know those big gods that run the universe in the Marvel universe. It's just I love it. I just love this. I could. I, I was so so happy when I saw this came out and so happy to see that. I guess it's. A weekly, maybe, or I don't know what the the release schedule is, but uh, yeah, this one he has a bit of a. It starts off with him uh, getting to an argument with the in betweener, 
which is always fantastic. And then his uh, adventure kind of uh, go, steers the way of Thanos and Galactus, and he's you know way forward in the in the future, and Earth is destroyed, and Hala is destroyed, and looks as if Thanos has been successful. Um, and then it ends with him getting sucked in to address uh, Infinity, Eternity, uh, the Living Tribunal. You know, like all you know, like there's all the Watcher. All those great folks are all there. So it's just uh, I loved it. What seems to be the overall aim of the book? No idea. Okay. I mean, it's 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 basically Adam Warlock. He's he. It's, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of inner dialogue. There's a lot of inner monologue as he's trying to figure out what you know what his purpose is and what he needs to do. And you know, essentially, like you know, the third to last page, he's going to see all of the you know the celestial level gods, and he says, "From them, I'll finally gain. I may finally gain clarity." Like he's just trying to figure out what he's supposed to be doing. Um, hmm. It's that very high. Concept seventies esque Marvel space kind of story, cosmic level, which which I just love. So uh, can't wait. You know, the next issue, the the preview for the next issue is just one word with answers. So I assume next <laughs> issue will reveal a lot. <laughs> All right. But uh, but it's but it's interesting to see, given in the wake of. Secret Wars and all that sort of stuff to see somebody addressing the cosmic side of Marvel. And it absolutely is in continuity. This isn't just a one-off story. Like, he references stuff that happened in Secret Wars and references, um, you know, other gods, you know, dying, you know, getting destroyed during Secret Wars and that sort of thing. So it's it's definitely uh, definitely tied into really what's going on. And it's Alan Davis art. So I get on. it. Does everybody have 70s hair? Yes. Well, the thing is, that's only, I mean, the first issue, he, he saw the Guardians of the Galaxy, but this issue, it's pretty much just him, Thanos, and Galactus, so, the, so he's the only one with 70s hair. But uh, it's, it's, it's like flowing locks. It's well done. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Wanted to check in on Spider-Woman number five. She's had the baby. Do you, you guys still reading this? I never read the first place. Okay. I, I, I'm Say no. behind. I'm behind. Okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, as as you may or may not know, she was pregnant. And as we start this issue, like basically she opens up the door and she's got crap all over her and the apartment's a mess and she's just like holding half a Pop-Tart and she just goes, this baby has ruined my life. And then for three pages, she just goes on and on about everything that's difficult about it and hard and oh, all this. God, like, so this really, is like, this is like, wait, your, this is like your, your, sh- favorite, your favorite comic book ever. Shut up. <laughs> you shut up. You let me get to it. You understand me? Okay. <laughs> Son of a. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes on and it really is like super honest kind of stuff that nobody tells you and i'm like oh this is totally written by somebody who's had experience with having a baby and on the fourth page like it's just you cut to the other side of her and you see um patsy walker and uh, she hulk just standing there like looking at her like oh my god and it's like a big silent panel and basically it's a lot of her talking about how her life has changed and then she has like a really great conversation with carol danvers about how like i don't know if i can be that kind of superhero anymore i don't know if i can do my thing and they take her out and there's this wonderful wonderful sequence where she's out with uh clint and and patsy and carol and she hulk i could say jen but it's not clear enough and all the characters uh skin and faces are all sort of like in black silhouette and you can see their clothing and like their thought balloons actually they're just word balloons with little sort of like pictograms in them so, like, you know, Clint is thinking about love and, and uh, Patsy's thinking about drinks. And then, like, the thought balloon over, over Spider-Woman's head is her babysitter, like, setting the place on fire. And it's, it's great. And then, but then what happens at the end is Ben Urich sort of has her look at some case files. And it, and it turns everything around. And, and basically the end is that she, goes, she, fi- she sort of decides she wants to try to get back to her life and find a way to make that work. So the point being is that they were able to do all of this 
but this isn't going to be what the series is. They finished up that sort of part of it, and now you've got a change in the character that will be significant, but like clearly he's not setting up to do this book as like it's so hard to be a parent superhero thing all the time. And so what I was why I was telling you to shut up is that <laughs> like they did the thing and it worked, but then it's not going to keep being that, which I thought yeah. was a really good decision. It'd be really easy to get sucked down that hole. Totally. And, right. Yeah, be self-indulgent yeah. as a writer right. you know, to, to do that. You know how people often point to the writers at Marvel in the uh, 80s getting older and deciding they were going to write Spider-Man older because that was what their life was like and they no longer going to write him as a fun superhero, young superhero that kids would enjoy? Yep. I think this is a dangerous road to go down as a superhero writer. Well, yep. I, I think the thing is this. It's Spider-Woman, so it's not like it's a huge character that... Oh, wow, wow. You're really, you're really, you, you want to tempt fate with the Spider-Woman fans there, it's, don't it's you? It's like enough of a big character that like some people will care about it a lot, but largely like, they don't have to worry about the movie screwing with it. So we were just talking about like changing the past of the character to make a big difference, and this is changing the present of the character. And if it's one character, sort of not even like really an iconic character... I mean, I'd be, you'd be hard-pressed for most of your you know, average sort of comic book readers to tell you what her personality really is because it's whatever the writer is who takes her over every 10 years. Right. And so, like, this is a version of her, but it's not like the definitive version because most people don't know what that is. So it's, it's, a, it's a safe place to do that in one book, I think. But the point is, like, I thought it was well-handled, and even if I can relate to it, I don't want to read that. You know, I wouldn't keep reading that for an ongoing series. You lived it. I was I was riddled with it. <laughs> but uh, there's some really great art sequences. Javier Rodriguez continues to do super impressive stuff uh, with storytelling. It was a great issue. And uh, I think it will allay the fears of having to read that all the time, too. Cool. Well, if you need to allay some fears or if you're a new parent and you need to pick up some stuff. <laughs> some diapers iFanboy can help you, and you can help iFanboy in the process. If you go to iFanboy.com slash support, and you can click on the link to Amazon, you can do all your baby shopping on Amazon. Amazon's not great for diapers. Okay, well, good. Sorry. You, should do, you should do a comic book about that. Give <laughs> me the next, next issue of Spider-Woman. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but if you want to bone up on your, on your Spider-Woman, you can go pick up Spider-Woman Essentials and other great Spider-Woman books. They're all there on Amazon. Use the link on ifanboy.com support, and you help us out in the process. We get a little piece of the action. It comes from Amazon, not from you. It comes from their pocket. So uh, definitely that is a great way to single-handedly uh, help iFanboy and get something in return. Or if you'd like to help us out to help keep the lights on at ifanboy.com headquarters, you can become a member where you can sign up for $3 a month or $30 a year, and uh, that's a recurring payment through PayPal. And we thank all of our loyal members. You guys help us keep us going, and so you are our favorites. And if you don't want a recurring payment, you could do a one-time donation, uh, which uh, it seems as if there's a you know several of you are doing it on a weekly basis, so we thank you for that. Um, you can go to ifanboy.com slash support where you can make a weekly donation, uh, not weekly, a one-time donation via PayPal, and we thank everyone who's done anything to help support the iFanboy cause. Uh, you are our favorite people. I forgot to say, they also said who the father was. So they answered oh, that, the, so that's not even the, dangling over. Who's the father? Some sperm donor. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't even anybody? No, that wasn't the deal. She decided she wanted to have a kid before she could. I thought it was a mystery. Uh, I know, but it wasn't. That's the, that's the red herring part of it. Do you, oh, think, do you think that there was a conversation at Marvel where they're like, yeah, let's not do a mystery? <laughs> I, I mean, if I was the writer, I would say yeah, because it, once that becomes a reveal, that changes everything. Like, yeah. if, Because then you've got to tell that story, and like, he'd want to tell that story. Yeah. It's, it's irrelevant. 
Star of number seven, last time we talked about, so the story had changed. The main character, Gavin, had gone from being the celebrity chef on the Star of TV show to going to the bad neighborhood in Brooklyn and, open, and buying a restaurant. And chicken. Chicken place and turn it into a, a healthy, fresh chicken restaurant in a bad neighborhood. And we thought, well, well that'd be fun if they actually just did that as a book. And that's what they, this issue is, just basically <laughs> the mechanics of opening up a restaurant. <laughs> oh, but like with like the like what the neighborhood was like. And oh, it's the, great! It was I great. loved it. This was one of the finalists for the pick of the week. Yeah, it was literally just him finding food around the neighborhood. I mean, the janitor who knew everything about food was a little bit much, but yeah, I didn't care really. In the back of my mind, I kept thinking, "This is a white guy writing this, and he's trying to do a thing." Nope, I'm gonna let it go. I, I you know, like I kept going back and forth with that because it was, you know. Is very socially conscious. Well, this is actually happening right now in L.A. Sure. Roy Choi is opening a chain of restaurants called Local Fresh Ingredients, Cheap, you know, Good Food, you know, which is missing from most bad right neighborhoods. So this is, it is somewhat based in reality. Yeah. It's cool. I really like the bit with the live chickens. Because, <laughs> you know, I used to drive past a place that had live chickens and goats in Queens all the time. And so it really sort of touched on that. Did you ever buy one? No. What would I do with a... Where would I have? I lived in an upstairs apartment. I've got nowhere to slaughter an animal, regardless of all sorts of other issues with that. In your kitchen. I feel like it was a small kitchen. And a chicken, I don't know if you remember Rocky, but. <laughs> Tried to catch? Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what I'm getting at. So uh, I thought this was great. I love, I mean, we mentioned it every time, but the, the Daniel JJ art is just wonderful in this. It really is when it shows up on the list, you're like, oh, all right. Like yeah. it's very, it's a very good sort of thing to see on that list in, in a given week. And I realized they're bringing it back to the plot of the TV show at the end, and the, as the, the network executives come and beat him up with bats. <laughs> I, I really just enjoyed this one issue where he started, started building this restaurant up. I was like, this is great. I don't want this for every comic, but I like it for this one. Yeah. All Superman right. 50, Josh. This is the issue that wraps up the whole storyline that's basically been going on through all of Superman for years. Of, of all time. Yes. <laughs> Did you read both these, Josh, since you were following this whole thing? I, I only read Superman 50, so I think I skipped to the end. Yeah, Superman Wonder Woman was the second last chapter that came out this week also. Didn't really feel like I missed anything, no, to be honest. No, not really. I, you know, in the words of Alec Baldwin in State and Maine, so that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Great variant cover. That's all I really... Yeah. Well, I didn't read I, I, it. What, ha- what happened? What's the, what's the conclusion? He's Superman again. He's normal. Oh, now. Well, that's great. Good for he beat Vandal Savage, and uh, there were some cool ideas in it. But it was—I don't know—I just feel like this came at me from out of nowhere, and I was like, "All, all right, let's." Connor, let me ask you a question about Vandal Savage. Mm-hmm. And now, when you read him in the comics, do you read him with that bad Christoph Waltz accent of the guy <laughs> on Legends of Tomorrow? Not yet, but I imagine I will soon. Oh, it's fantastic! Anyway, I, I really did like the Krypton bit. I yeah, that was a cool idea. That, but yeah, that happened. Yeah. I think this is emblematic of the problems of DC, this particular story. I did like the scene, the, the scene because it sort of goes through all these different variations of the t- Superman's life. And I like the scene with him and his dad when he was a kid. Yes. When he wanted to beat up the bully. Even though he's wearing what looks like a crop top. I really like that. That was a really good bit of dialogue. And I like, you know, I, I punch him. Well, is that how you solve a problem? Punching solves lots of problems. <laughs> Which he's not wrong. You know what his dad didn't do here? Tell him to hide away forever and then sacrifice his life stupidly. <laughs> that didn't do any of that. <laughs> I wonder why. Because it would be dumb. That seems like the right choice, doesn't it? So this page was drawn by Dan Bogdanoff, who's a he was a long yes. time. He was the John Bog- Bogdanoff. Oh, sorry, John Bogdanoff. Dan Bogdanoff. Yeah. I don't know. I just I've only been awake for an hour. 
or the Polish one, Jan Bogdanov. He he was a Superman artist in the '90s who was really great on Man of Steel. I remember his his work on X Factor in the early '90s. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought there were some good pages in this art-wise, but story-wise, I just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of... I think that's where we are at DC right now, waiting for the rebirth. It totally feels like that. But, you know, basically you give the the creative teams a chance to throw in a couple of tidbits that are kind of cool, and that's about the best we can hope for right now. Yeah. You know, you can have that, have a little scene here, there or there, and a, a kind of a cool idea. They don't really do anything with it, and then they move along, and whatever. I've never been into Vandal Savage as a character, also. Like, it just... Oh, I think he's great. I don't really dislike him, but it's so big. You should watch uh, Legends of Tomorrow because he's fantastic. No, he shouldn't. <laughs> I did. I did. Like a little you, bit. You did? It How much did like, you watch? It was, it was like I was, I actually had the cable box on, which I never do. And like I saw the last like 15 or 20 minutes of one of them. They were in like a hospital, a nursing home, and they were, I don't know, like a Buffy episode. They were fighting off a bunch of vampire wolf things or something or other. Oh, that might have been the teaser. That might have been the pilot or whatever, the, that, that, that clip that we saw when the show got announced. Maybe. I don't anyway, know. That's a diversion. It's a great show, though. It's a lot of fun. So part of the problem here is the second-to-last page in which he's, he's having, I guess, lunch with Jimmy and Lois, and he hears an um, emergency, and he goes off to save the day, and everyone in the restaurant is like, go be Superman! It's just like, uh, everyone knowing who he is is stupid. It's just stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just yep. stupid. All right, so uh, Huck number five, uh, Mark Miller, Raphael Albuquerque. I just wanted to highlight this quickly because uh, as much as I'm loving the series, I did not see it going in this direction. Mm-hmm. And part of me likes it, but part of me also wishes that it kind of stayed a little more whimsical mm-hmm. instead of uh, sardonic, not sardonic, but dire, you know. And But I do like the, the little, the, the feat of will that are, occurred in this issue with him breaking out of the cell with his mother, I thought was, uh, was a great moment. But uh, The solution was really good, but I, I, yeah. you just want to sort of stick with that pastoral, like him running around solving issues and having yeah, to operate exactly. in the real world with people. Exactly. Well, you only got one more issue, so. thing. Yeah, yeah. That's what I don't see. It. That's the thing is, like, again, I don't see how it wraps up in one issue. Like, I, it's very, it's very, very strange. But, but it looks beautiful. I love Albuquerque, what he's doing with it. I love the character. And and you know, there was a great little moment. You know, with, with Huck and his mother are trapped in the Russian cell, and um, you know, good concepts too. Like the idea of these science cities all over Russia that are secret. I thought that was pretty clever. You know, and her, his mother is is collapsed and you know crying and upset and blaming herself for all this happening. And and Huck is just like, no, if it wasn't for you, I would have grown up here. You know, like yeah. seeing the bright side of things and seeing that. You know, like he's still a great character. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cool. So it's fortuitous that all new X-Men number six and extraordinary X-Men number eight, these books seem to come out the same week. I'm just going to take care of some chores here for a bit. You guys. Well, no, no, no. You should stay. You should stay. All right. All right. For for all new X-Men number six. Yeah. But (laughs) it's interesting that they come out the same Wednesday every month because it just continues to make my point that all new X-Men is everything that is right about the X-Men. And for some reason, extraordinary X-Men is not going in the direction I want it to go in. That's interesting. Yeah, and I felt like when they came out, I thought they were going to be flipped because I'm like, all right, this is, you know, this is the team I want. And this is, you know, like this is the, you know, like Storm and, and Colossus and, you know, and yes, it's old Wolverine and, and you know, and young Jean Grey or whatever. But like they're bringing together the, you know, the, the, the spirit of the X-Men and they're going to, you know, reestablish a school and all stuff like that. But 
the number of times Terrigen Mist was mentioned in Extraordinary Well, that's because you hate the Inhumans. Well, I just, hate, I just hate what's been done, what's been put upon it. That's all. It's not that yeah. I hate the Inhumans. I hate that this arbitrary thing that we still don't know about has been put upon and is affecting the general storylines of the X-Men, which is, it just seems... We do know about it. Yeah, I know, but I don't know enough. I thought Extraordinary X-Men feels, at least in the character interactions, much more like classic X-Men. To me. Well, for me, I mean, that, that's where all new X Men comes in. I mean, all new X Men feels like like the the youthful energy and excitement and uh, you know kind of conflict and and you know kind of, like it's the kind of X Men that I, I I feel happy after reading. Mm-hmm. Although all new X Men, I got to give Dennis Hopeless and Mark Bagley. Uh, I don't know what the, whether it's credit or criticism or whatever, but Josh, this is why I wanted you to stick around. Uh, rebar as a puncture weapon in the eyeball. In the eyeball, ha uh-huh. I feel like the, the yes. not 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 only the use of rebar, but the specific mention of wow, Angel just stabbed Blob in the eye with rebar. Like the specific <laughs> mention of rebar, I feel like our message is getting out there into the world. <laughs> yeah. I don't. May, I mean, it might be that more people are showing us that it was happening, but I definitely yeah. there's a lot more instances of rebarification. They couldn't puncture Blob's gelatinous skin. The only way in was the eyeball, so they. Fucking stabbed him in the eyeball with a rebar. Which, by the way, for longtime Marvel fans or whatever, might remember that that was the solution to stop the Juggernaut. Stab him in the eyeball with a rebar? In Spider-Man, yeah. Todd McFarlane had Spider-Man fighting the Juggernaut. The Juggernaut is unstoppable, except that Todd McFarlane wanted Spider-Man to stab him in the eye with a piece of rebar. And Marvel editorial said, no, you can't do that. And he said, why not? And they said, you can't do that. And he said, well, then I'm going to go do Spawn. And then laughed in for an image. <laughs> so actually, rebar is responsible for the creation of Image Comics. So there you go. Little, little known fact. At first with this issue, I thought, these kids are really whiny. Because <laughs> the device of this issue is that we are hearing everybody's internal monologue, and everybody is angsty about themselves and their abilities, and whether or not they're any good at being a superhero. Well, I like that. But then I thought, you know what? All right, they're they're like sixteen. Sixteen yeah. year olds are awful and whiny, so fine. So are comic book writers. I just thought <laughs> Hanks was a little over the top. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. He's a genius. He's like, eh, I guess I'm not smart enough for this world. It's like, come on. In yeah. reality, it's not like they came from the '60s. You know, in reality, right. they really just came from. 10 years ago, you know? Right. It's not like he'd be that confused by smartphones. Connor, they didn't, they didn't even have smartphones then. Think sure, about that's that. That's a good point. That's a fair point. That is a fair point. But it's not that big of a leap from what we did have. It's not like he came from rotary It was a phones. different world. So that was the only part. I also feel like they should be writing Toad's dialogue phonetically because uh, he's got a giant tongue in his mouth all the time. And he's just like, oh, 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 oh. I would not want to read that. Yeah, I would not want to read that. This is bigger than both of us. Wrong place, wrong time. You know, when you just, read yeah. Preacher, do you just read the R-Space translations or do you read the R-Space word balloons? Both. Oh, you read the word balloons? Uh, for a little while, and then you're like, all right, let's just get to the point. <laughs> if we have no joy in our souls. Anyway, so the, the X-Men books just continue to be intriguing for different reasons. And I, yes, I'm, and I, you know, I'm still reading Extraordinary. I'm still liking it, although just the, every time the Terrigen mentioned gets, it, it kind of annoys me. But I do like the rekindling of Storm and Wolverine. Um, although I would like a little more dramatic tension between Storm and Forge, considering that they used to be a couple. Well, they've all been couples. At that point, yeah, well, everybody would just constantly be dramatically tensioned with everybody else. Well, that's, that's what makes the X-Men so good. <laughs> we all get along now. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. Go to ifanboy.com, find the post for the show, and you can talk about what you read this week and what you enjoyed and what you didn't like over at ifanboy.com. 
So let's do some audience questions. The first is from Greg B. from Oakland, California. He says, I said to self, I says, self, you like that Invincible comic. Then I nod in agreement, but then I says, I says, but you don't like that Mark character, do you? Then I shake my head no in agreement. Do any of you guys like... Is, hang on, is Greg B. actually Warlock from the New Mutants? Or Popeye? Or Popeye. Or just anyway. or any number of wonderful characters use this, this specific range of speaking, which I love. Let's finish Self. Greg's question. Greg's question said, do, you, do any of you guys like a story but not the lead? Please exclude stories where you're supposed to hate the lead, like Superior Spider-Man or Hellblazer. Or Batman and uh, Dean. Whoa! Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't hate. I didn't hate Superior Spider-Man. I thought I loved the main character in that. He was great. He's a villain. You're not supposed to be on his side. Yeah, but he was. It was so much fun to read. Well, that's that, a different. That's where we're getting. That's the answer to this question. But you're not supposed to yeah. like him. He's the bad guy. I like them though. There's a difference between enjoying a bad guy and rooting for the bad guy. It's Tony Soprano. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tony Soprano is yeah. the bad guy. Well, Ron rooted for Tony Soprano. Yeah, of course. But Ron's, you know. <laughs> on a Molly. On a Molly. We're not on a Molly. <laughs> so, <laughs> Josh, did, is Hellblazer a, just a hate Hellblazer? No, I don't think so. No, no, I, uh, absolutely not. He's a, he's a flawed character. You've, you've got to watch him make choices. But ultimately, the reason that he has all these people around him who he, uh, who he inadvertently gets killed is because he's likable and charming and he wants to be loved but he he also makes bad choices so i don't think that's that fits in that but that's not really what he asked batman's a little like that too although you like batman because of his he's talking about damon oh okay because uh, honestly like you can respect batman's choices but he's a prick yeah well gets the job done I, well i know but you know do you like him but you're not supposed to dislike him for that i don't think so no i don't think you're supposed to dislike any lead character Really? Well, I think he's wondering if there's a thing where that lead character is is bad, but you but the rest of the strengths are so good. I, I'm having a hard no. time coming. To okay, so so here, here here's the thing. In, in Invincible, you're not supposed to dislike Mark. Greg dislikes Mark for whatever reasons. Greg brings to the table. Right. So that's the question. Are there characters like that that you have yeah, all no, at one no. point by the end of the series pretty much disliked Scott Pilgrim? Yeah. That was the first one. Yeah. I thought of. We did not like him by the end. All right. Here's one. Box Office Poison, one of my favorite graphic novels, and you start off the book at the beginning with this guy Sherman, who is a wannabe writer who works in a bookstore, and you're you know watching his early mid twenties life, and by the end he's horrible, like he's not a person you like, and you you're not rooting for him anymore. You're rooting for his friend Ed, but everything else around it makes it possible to sort of that makes the book still good, but it's a really neat reversal of sort of. This one character, you're like, oh, this is the guy I relate to, and then by the end, like, he just make he's kind of a dick, and he makes a lot of selfish, bad choices, and and you kind of don't like him so much. Mm. And I don't know that it was planned like that, but I think it ended up like that, and it was an, it was an, it worked well. Well, I mean, I, I think also, I think there's a couple, I mean, a couple ideas that spring to mind similar Cyclops. to that, J- Josh. Uh, well, no, no, shut shut your mouth. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I it probably could be said for you know go, looking over The Walking Dead with Rick, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah I mean, no, I had thought about that for a second. And yeah, there's definitely bit. I think with him, there's a that's more of a Vic Mackey kind of thing where you've got a guy and he's got a clear goal to keep everybody together and keep them alive. And then along the way, he has to make choices and you have to wonder where those choices fall and whether they're good or bad. I, I think it's I don't know that I dislike him. I think that you're actually not rating whether you like him or not. You're liking what he's doing. Which isn't right. exactly the same. Yeah. 
Well, so then, then my other thought was uh, was pretty simple, just with Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think that I have to like Deadpool if I'm reading the book. If I don't like that version of him, or more more appropriately, if if I've had enough. Yeah. Which is what has happened to me with Deadpool. I was like, okay, I've had enough. I, I was in it. I was not in it for a long time. Then I was in it for a while, and I thought, okay, I'm good. I've got enough Deadpool. Ron, I feel like there's lots of characters that you don't like just for no reason. I feel like you're constantly saying, I don't no, like that character. And, and, real, and real humans. Yeah. No, I was going to say, no, no, more like real people, Connor. I think you're getting mistaken <laughs> with, with, actual, with actual people. Nothing off the top of my head. I, I'm, I'm trying to live a more zen-filled, less hateful life. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I hate Bizarro because <laughs> I think he just is annoying. But you wouldn't read a Bizarro series unless no, it was like Frank Whiteley drawing. No, but what I'm saying is, you're, I, I don't think you're, you're supposed to dislike Bizarro, but yeah, I, no, just, I, I do because I find him annoying. But you're clearly not supposed to dislike Mark Grayson either. I mean, that's, that's the point. He he dislikes Mark Grayson. Are there any characters like that? Right. So I'm saying like you wouldn't buy. So if Bizarro was in a series, you wouldn't buy that series. What would it take for you to buy a series, a Bizarro series, where he's the main character? Yeah. Darwin. That All Star Superman issue? Oh wow! No, I, I, I like that issue. I've said that before. There's, exactly. there's some stories of, Dar- of Bizarro I like, but I wouldn't. I don't like the character. I think Darwin doing a Bizarro series it would it would be great just to make Connor read it. So that would be all bad. right. Uh, that, that's even tough for me. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Our our next question comes from Patrick from Greenville, North Carolina, and talking about being sick of it. There was a recent article about what Stanley's legacy will be, and I feel like you may have talked about this before. But what are your feelings now about Stan and his work? I've had many conversations with people over the years, and he's pretty polarizing among fans. Personally, I love him, even though I know about his faults with other creators. And Patrick was referring to there was a big article about, uh, I believe it was in Vulture, that was questioning what Stan, Stan Lee's legacy will be. You know, he's a pre, he, he's you know approaching ninety three, and he's getting on in years. He's starting to you know he just did his he, he just did his last uh, appearance in Canada at a Canadian uh, convention. Uh, which kind of worries me that we're going to start parading the last appearances of Stan at things. I thought it was his last appearance total. Yeah, no, it was, no, it was, it was his last appearance in Canada. Huh. Kind of buried the lead on that. Yeah, it was it was Canada. It wasn't a total because of course not. Uh, yeah, because he didn't. Wait, are you basing this on something, or just because you think it's not? Because the article said it was no, his they, last they, convention appearance ever. No, in Canada. All right. I'm did, pretty I sure did, it was his. Josh, I didn't read it that way, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was that he was like, I don't know when I'm going to get to Canada again, so this is going to... Yeah, Stanley announces final Canadian convention appearance. The way that the headline is written, and I just found a bunch of them, is Stanley announces final appearance in Canada. So, <laughs> there's a couple of ways to read that, and that shitty headline writing. Yes. <laughs> oh, so, I see. Canadian so you, appearance. you read it as his last appearance, comma, in Canada. Yes. And I read it as his last appearance in Canada. It should have said final Canadian appearance. Right, yeah, I'm, correct. He's just decided he's never going to Canada again. <laughs> <laughs> because God forbid he flies to Vancouver instead of Massachusetts. <laughs> well, anyway, so there was an article... With all the customs. There was an article in Vulture highlighting all of the, you know, the Ditko and Kirby and all the stuff that we all know about. So given, given everything that we know about Stan and, and him taking credit and things like that, what do you guys think of Stan Lee and his legacy? It's complicated. It is. Yeah. I mean, I think he did more for comics than anybody in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I mean from a from a t- from a yes. total Yeah, from a total business sense, yes. Absolutely. I mean, y- yeah. 
you know, I mean, Kirby and Ditko and, and Wally Wood and all these and Starenko and all these guys did amazing, amazing work. But, you know, say what you will about the taking credit and all that kind of bullshit. But if San wasn't there on his soapbox making noise and driving and, and driving salesman. attention to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. He, des- he deserves a lot of credit for the things that he did. And you're absolutely right. I, without without Stan Lee, you don't know who Jack Kirby is today. Yeah. Most people. You know, like like there are people who know who the people who know Milton Kniff is would know who Jack Kirby is, but he wouldn't be a household name in any stretch. I don't know that he is, but basically the point is without Stan, Jack doesn't become Jack, right? In that sort of legendary sense, and and I think that even Jack would have before he got weird uh, would have definitely agreed with that to a certain extent. Stan gets too much creative credit. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. And he didn't do enough to assuage that for a long time. I think that's yeah. how it is. But is he a horrible guy? No. He's, just, he's not. Unless he's literally like the best liar I've ever been around in my life. Well, I mean, he might be. I, I I'm not saying he's the best liar, but he's a, he's a, he's a really great talker. And he really, he's really good at promotion. Yeah. He is, but there's a level of enthusiasm about him that feels incredibly genuine. Yeah. And... And, like, when you read about him as a guy, like, he's a weird guy. Like, he didn't like to go out with everybody, and he felt uncomfortable in groups. Like, he found this thing that he was good at, and he just ran with it, and he was incredibly successful with it. And so, we're, okay, we're worse off without him. Yes, agreed. I don't think comics are where they are. I don't, I don't know that we're doing this show. I don't think, I don't know that there are comics without him. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take him out of the 60s. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the, the most important people in the history of the comic book industry now, does he, does he deserve to be known as the creator of all these characters? No. Probably not. But right. the rest of his legacy is, is not about the creative. It's about the, the promotion and publicity, what he's done for the industry as a whole. He had, I mean, listen, he had, he had ideas. He did things that were important. The way that he wrote the dialogue in those books alone would be enough to put him into the, you know, the, the legend category. He did something. He did something important. It's just that he got too much credit for it for too long, and he let that be. That, right. That's... That's well, the basic part. That's. It. I mean, because I mean, because because, and the thing is, is that like I understand. I mean, I, I I can understand where it's coming from because you know you you have these immensely popular things that happen, and then there you are holding the bag, trying to keep the company going, trying to get them going. Like now in the seventies and eighties, trying to get them launched in Hollywood, doing all that sort of stuff. While Ditko has gone into his hole, and Kirby has gone to DC. Right. So, of course, you know, you're the he's the last guy kind of standing and he's the one trying to keep the move the properties forward. And so does he pump up his creation aspect of it a little more at that time period? Absolutely. And I understand why, you know, now, you know, then 20 years, 20, 30 years after that, looking back on it and having, you know, and, and admitting that, you know, well, actually, you know, th- those guys did a lot more than I gave him credit for was the right thing to do, which he eventually did do. It was just too little too late. That's all. Um, and yeah. Then, and it was and after then, Jack and, had died. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. And karma works in mysterious ways. And I feel as if, you know, we've seen the very public difficulty Stanley's gone out, has gone through since since 2000, right? With the, with the, Legally. with the failed.com. Yeah. With the failed.com, with the Hillary campaign stuff, with the, like just the weird things, you know I mean? Getting screwed over left and right and stripperella and all these, you know, like, I feel as if he, you know, like I feel as if he's had his comeuppance, whether we know it or not for any, any misgivings that he might've done. And now the guys, the, the guys, the guy's going to eventually pass on and he should be still considered a legend along with Jack Kirby for what he's done for the industry. 
I'm not defending the stuff that he's done, but I understand, you know, but he, he's trying to make good of it. I, I believe I think, he's trying to make good of it. So I think history and context are important here. Also, if you want to go back to what the beginning of the comics industry was when Stan started in the thirties, like it was, it was like a cutthroat, tiny industry. Like, like, like yeah. Stan was bad, but Victor Fox was much worse. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even Stan or like who wasn't Stan wasn't even charged for a lot of it. It was, it was uh, Martin. What's his name? Goodman. Goodman. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a different time in a different industry, and the idea of like respecting creators, and so it 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 wasn't that. It was like a freelance hustle. It was a sweatshop. All the really. time. it was, and it was about taking advantage of people as much as possible if you were the management, and not taking and not being taken advantage of as much as possible if you were a creator. Which is how every artistic industry was then. That's how Hollywood was run in the in the in the thirties yeah. and forties. And so, at the very least. Like, yes, he existed and did work in later times, but that's what he came up in. So the level of what's acceptable to us now is very different. And I think that context matters to a certain extent. Yeah. In the story. And, you know, Jack, Jack didn't do everything right either. That's a thing that I always try to bring up. I've had people get mad at me for that. Like, but, you know, Jack made, Jack made a lot of mistakes too in how he handled his own business and yeah. himself. He lived in fear all the time of not having work. And so he didn't stand up for himself a lot of times, and that's that's something that happens today with creators. Sure, sure, and it doesn't, you know, it's that's 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 a chicken or the egg. Like, well, then it's not his fault or it's the system or whatever. But you know, other people did stand up and and didn't have that problem. You know, Neil Adams is is a good example of that because he saw what had happened before. It's it's a it's a process. Right. All right. Uh, I talk about this for days. It's sticky, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely sticky. But you know, I, I, like, Connor, I think you mentioned it better is that we wouldn't have comics in the way we have them now without the work that he did. So he deserves credit for that. When he passes on, he's going to pass on as the face of comics for yep. the ni- ninety-nine percent of the population. So that's Walt yeah. Disney for comics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. I'm fine with that. If you want to get into the conversation on the show, email us at contact I fan- <laughs> contact at ifanboy dot com. Not good folks. Upset. No, I, was just okay. I went into confidentialgoodfellowsminute.com and it's a whole different show. <laughs> Don't forget to tell us who you are, where you're from, and uh, thank you for writing in. Yes, and uh, if you want even more audio enjoyment, we've got more stuff for you to listen to. Just, just this weekend, Marvel and Netflix released season two of Daredevil. We will watch it. We will talk about it. We just don't know when we will talk about it and release it. Because, listen, it's like what? Like 12, 12, 13 episodes? 13 hours, yeah. It's 13 hours. It's like, I'm on episode 10. And I was like, what is uh, What world? Right. Your life's exactly. very different from mine. So don't worry. Trust me. I enjoyed season one. I know, Connor, you did. Uh, Josh, are you gonna? Are you partaking, or what's your deal? I watched it, but I don't really want to... I'm not going to go through it so fast. I went through it so fast last time that by the end I was like, just make this over. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know... TBD. Probably not. So yeah. anyway, so you can expect it and trust and trust us when we release the release the episode. We will announce it on Twitter and I'll talk about it here on the show. Uh, but you can look forward to Daredevil season two, uh, our podcast analysis. In the meantime, next week is Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Dawn of Justice. We will definitely be talking about that, and we will be talking about that next weekend. So we, you can look forward to the, our special edition podcast on that film next weekend, uh, sometime, probably around Saturday, maybe late Friday for Lucky. But uh, right. you can look forward to that show next weekend. We got another show. You know, it's mostly swag. It's down there over to the right. Some nice Dior's. <laughs> um. No, no, no. Keep going. No, no, no. No, no, just keep, no. You want to no, scroll? No. Scroll down. Scroll no, down. No, no. no. What, are you, what are you doing? What are you logging off for? Oh. Uh, walk in circle. Walk in circle. 
screenshot. <laughs> we do a show called Goodfellas Minute, and if any of that made any sense to you, you've probably been listening. <laughs> if not, it's not going anywhere. You've got time. But what we're doing is going through Goodfellas, the movie. Goodfellas, the movie, as opposed to the animated series. Right, or the comic book. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would watch that. Goodfellas, one minute at a time. Every day we talk about one minute of the movie. We, we've got three weeks left. Three. That's it, man. Oh, man. Crazy. It's, it's, it's really fun. I'm super glad it's going to be over, but I'm also really glad we did it. That's <laughs> yeah. what I can tell you. It's a great show. If you like what we do here, but you, you maybe you like one less comics or you like that movie, or even if you don't like that movie, just watch the movie once, and then you will, we'll help you get a whole lot else out of it. True. <laughs> com. Check that out. Yes. And, of course, after you do that, you can go over to ifanboy.com where you can comment on the post for this show. Tell everyone what you thought of this week's books. If there's anything we didn't talk about or if you disagree with us or if you hate Stan Lee, you can be heard over there on ifanboy.com. And you can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash ifanboy and on Twitter at ifanboy. And if for some reason you want to follow uh, us personally, uh, you can follow Josh at J.A. Flanagan or Connor at C.S. Kilpatrick. And I am at Ron XO on Twitter. And uh, it's it's an entertaining time. Is it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, if you like the show, please write us a review on iTunes. It's the quickest and easiest way you can help the show by getting uh, the number of star reviews up. Uh, you can also write one, too. We appreciate that. Do that for this show, for Goodfellas Men. For any podcast you listen to, the best way to help them, if you enjoy it, is to pop on over to iTunes, take a minute or two, and just write a quick review, give them a star rating, and uh, move on about your day. We appreciate okay. everyone does that. Move along. Move along. Move along. Move along. So that is it for this week's show. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm so tired. Death Mark's not an easy thing to live with. Uh, it's not. <laughs> Lord Mandel. <laughs> I know it's almost a man is a little bit. Oh, but come on and mean it to me. I need it so bad. Never get old